0: The world around us is changing faster than ever before from automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome welcome, to Data Guru's podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, Welcome to the Data Gurus podcast.
1: I'm delighted to have Mike Berlin join me today, who is the CEO and founder of Decode M. Welcome, Mike.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. You have had such a great experience in this space, and I know that you've been a long time pollster working on presidential candidates and Fortune 500 brands alike. Why you started Decode M? Because you felt like there was something missing or there was another analytical tool that could be developed in this space. Tell us about that.
2: Well, I started my career as a pollster where we asked questions and we received answers and we were always limited to the data set. So the most important question when you're a pollster is the question that you didn't ask (laughs) because you get all this data and you analyze it and you realize, oh, I wish I asked this. I wish I asked that. And it was always a frustrating thing for me over time, more and more data became available through uh, social media, through big data, through behavioral data. And so I really wanted to go beyond polling and start to analyze all the data that was out there. We just had to analyze it using these new tools. Got
1: it. So new constructs, new approaches.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And more data, more available, easier to handle. So in the old days, we had a phone room asking questions. Now I have a computer and I have the cloud computing I can literally process as much data as the top research lab in a matter of hours. We never had that.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And I can totally empathize with what you said. As soon as you get a questionnaire done, you get it in a field, you see the results, and you say, darn it, why didn't I ask that question? And it was seems so obvious once you get the data back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And now we can't. So now we can continuously go back because we're looking at uh, social media data or we're looking at behavioral data and we can actually start to ask, rewrite our queries and keep building. So in surveys, the project was done when we presented the report. Now with our analytics, the project is never done because we can keep mining the data.
1: That's powerful. So tell us, I think you've marketed this tool as M-Factor, is that correct? And I believe you wrote a book about it.
2: Yes. I wrote a book called Maximum Momentum. Okay. And the idea was momentum is this amorphous word that is used in so many contexts. It's used by political pundits. It's used in sports. It's used in business. I want to get momentum. We've lost momentum. How do we get it going? I wanted to quantify momentum. And momentum, as I'm going to take you back to high school physics. It was a very easy concept in high school It was done by Sir Isaac Newton, and it was mass times velocity. Right. And so I had to create the metrics for mass and the metrics for velocity, and I put it together to create something called m-factor.
1: Very cool. So tell us a little bit about the numerator and denominator in that process, in that analytics.
2: I'm going to make it really simple. Mass is the volume of conversation, and velocity is the engagement and the sentiment. And where I thought the market was getting it wrong is that all the metrics for social media were all volume metrics. They all were like measuring how many likes, how many retweets, how many eyeballs, all these different phrases that didn't mean anything. And yet all of our clients were saying to us, get me something that goes viral, get me something that goes so fast, and everybody looks at it. And I was like, well, that's not a mass metric. That's a velocity metric. Right. That's how fast things are going. And there were no metrics, and I'll challenge you, there's no metrics to measure velocity. So here's where we had to write our own algorithms to really look at how do you measure velocity. And that was the key to our success. So we used uh, state-of-the-art natural language processing. We looked at sentiment analysis to create our own velocity algorithms. And then we actually came up with the drivers of momentum, which were disruption, innovation, polarization, stickiness, and social impact. And all of those five drivers had to be in the velocity to actually create momentum.
1: Very interesting. And do those algorithms vary by industry or depending on what topic you're talking about?
2: Well, they do because they're picking up the sentiment of the conversation. So they're, con- you know, we're using artificial learning right. to sort of right. continuously learn, and so there's self-learning tools that go to a particular situation, understand the dynamics, and then self-weight.
1: Okay, right. I guess all the factors are still there. It's just dependent on how much weight you put on that factor to calculate velocity.
2: Right. The interesting one to me, Sima, is the world is scared of this word polarization yes but the truth of the matter is you can't have velocity without polarization because if everybody agrees it's not going to take off you need to have this robust engagement discussion and conversation for something to actually have velocity and take off if everybody agrees on something it usually just yeah that's the truth no real engaged discussion has to capture the imagination has to be innovative and has to have some sort of cultural relevancy.
1: You make such a good point. I totally agree, people are very scared of the word polarization, but you're right. We don't comment on things that we all agree about. We comment on things that we disagree about, and hopefully we do it cordially for the most part.
2: Yeah, and that's why I think we're in an unusual period of with our social unrest and, and the discussion that's going on today because it has so much velocity because we are engaged, because it has sort of brought up that uh, tension. And it's absolutely wonderful. The momentum of change that we're seeing in today's world is off the scale of our M factor.
1: Yeah, I could see that. So tell me, how your clients receive this and give us a sense of who you typically work with. And, you know, I always find that it's sometimes hard to sell something in that's innovative or not invented here, you know, disruptive in some ways. Give us a little bit of sense of what your clients are saying.
2: Well, M-Factor, it gets received two different ways. If you're the M-Factor that's showing uh, constant momentum and transformation and moving up. You say, "Oh my God, this is the best tool ever. Let me get one of those." Yes. If you're the M factor, like I had a client last week where the momentum was absolutely <laughs> flat and they had a competitor that was moving straight up. Yeah. They're just like, "Oh shit," and <laughs> and they but they never question the metric because you know what people know. You know, CMOS. CEOs have momentum in their gut. And that's why they call us, because they know something's not working well. The most critical audience for us has been journalists who are so scared of new metrics. In the same way that they were used to be very critical of polling and now they're very comfortable with polling. Right. New technology they can't completely wrap their hands around because it's built on artificial intelligence or it's built on new tools takes a while for them to be accustomed to, and then they get it.
1: Got it. But why would journalists fear that? Tell me a little bit more about that in terms of the M factor.
2: Because algorithms, as you know, are a little bit of a black box to them. Okay. Like we could explain all the formulas 10 times over and we could show how it works, but- the truth of the matter is, is you've got to be really technical. You've got to understand math. You have to understand the inputs and the weightings and the back and forth to be comfortable. And in, at some point, when the number, when all this complicated data of millions and millions of data sources comes in and everything gets coded for this sentiment, not just negative, positive, and neutral, but really the nuance along those five drivers, it's amazing that millions of numbers can be then calculated to a single M factor. Interesting. And yet it's, if you look back at our work, it's completely predictive and accurate and also changes to meet different circumstances. I'll give you an example. We saw the reopening of Arizona and we saw momentum for reopening. We then saw that the momentum dropped for reopening two weeks before it actually happened. So we've been able to see Something changed in those states that were reopening fast. They lost some of their positive feelings. There was more concern and hesitation. And so we could see that in our M-Factor.
1: That's amazing. And do people, so let's talk about brands. Do people actually use M-Factor as a tracking mechanism in terms of understanding their performance? Is this kind of the new brand equity score that CMOs are looking at, or is it a complement to that?
2: Right now, it's a complement to that. I think over time, our vision would be to get it to be, look, our ultimate goal would be to replace brand tracking with momentum scores. That's where it's going. It's a little bit more nuanced than that because you really, to do that, you have to really go very deep into not just the M factor score, but what's the mass, what's the velocity and go much deeper into that strand to understand all the different conversations that are having on and use the natural language processing. I see a world though, that that will happen.
1: Yeah, I could see that too actually just have by this conversation give me an idea of you talked about that client that said oh gosh my n factor is really not doing anything what would you recommend to that client to say well this is what you know th- these are the things that you need to think about to improve your M factor
2: well we were like where are you on the momentum factors what have you done to innovate what have you done to have social impact? What have you done for stickiness? What have you done to disrupt the market? And it turns out that they're in a business as usual situation while all their competitors are incredibly active. So
1: you move into the strategy part of it. You talk through that.
2: Straight into strategy. I have another client who is public and their competitor is public. And they found out that they competitor blew them out in the second quarter And they had no idea why. And yet we ran the M factor in 30 minutes and we could see right away that they had a below the radar campaign going that was highly effective, creating tremendous momentum while our client was doing okay. Their competitor was doing great. Wow. And again, it's a diagnostic. It's not the end point. It's the starting point.
1: Mike, tell us your perspective on the future of data.
2: I think data is gonna become much more accessible, much more transparent. I don't see a world where we have more closed data systems. I see a world where everything is knowable. You just have to know where to look.
1: Very good. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Totally
2: appreciate it. Thank Thank
0: you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to.